Hey, 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 welcome to Creative Block. We're your hosts, Gene. And V. We interview people in the animation industry about their life, work, and hobbies while we doodle jam. We ask people on Twitter if they had specific topics they wanted us to discuss, as well as some drawing prompts. And today with us, we have Parker Simmons. Yay! Hi, thanks for having me. Thank thanks you for being on the, on the show. I like how we always give little golf claps <laughs> yeah. to whoever. It's a very encouraging, like, yay, you did it. <laughs> thanks for coming on the show. Yay. Uh, Parker, so you've you've done so much. Been an animator. You've been a writer, a director, a voice actor, and you created and ran your own show, Mao Mao, the Heroes of Pure Art Heart. Let's see. You've done so much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it sounds like it's. So the first question is, aren't you tired? <laughs> yeah, that is, that, I guess that is the first question. And the right? answer is, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we're all a little tired, I think, after yeah. <laughs> after the last year. So I can relate to that. Let's take us back. Let's take it back to the beginning, to Baby Parker. Tell us about how you got your start. Uh, okay. Well, geez, how far back do you want me to go? I'm like, um, you know, I'm a baby, and <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm walking around. You've been drawing since you could pick up a pencil. That's yeah. The well, that's uh, true. Also, kind of like. Yeah. What was your like relationship to drawing as a kid when you were growing up? Kind of um, like was it something that you did a lot? And if you did that a lot, what was kind of um, your when I say relationship, it's like how did you feel about it? Was it more like something fun to do or something to show your friends or kind of like kind of that side of things? Uh, I would say. Try to figure out these drawing tools. I want to make something that looks narrative. Okay, I'm gonna draw a little. Here we go. There's a little t teeny Parker. I would say that <laughs> teeny Parker. You know, it's hard. I think when you're a kid, you don't consciously think about the things that you're you're doing. So if I, I'm having to look back and reach back to such a long time ago, and say, okay, well, why did I do this? And I would say, like any kid you initially pick anything up because you're bored and or you want and right. or you want to try it figure it out let's see i'm kicking my legs here I'm like la 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 <laughs> uh but i think you know the earliest sort of thing i can remember with drawing is you know being uh you know i would doodle a little bit with you know crayons and stuff before school but once i got into like kindergarten first grade i remember they had like computers a computer class was like a novelty in the 90s mm -hmm. and so i remember there was a class where we could uh type and then also print anything we wanted and there wasn't any real structure and one of my earliest memories creating any kind of art or story or anything is doing that i typed out Somebody in my family probably still has this. Some I was like, there was a pumpkin. His name was Pump. And he had long legs. Nice and he ran around. Okay. It was just a bunch of, you know, it was nothing. In fact, yeah. I think he looked kind of like, it was just like a pumpkin man. And I had like, I had crinkled green paper and like taped it on mm -hmm. to the sheet. So I, I wrote all that mm -hmm. and then I drew the character on it. And... Uh, yeah, he looks something like that. And this was made out of, like, crinkled green paper. That's so cute. And, and it, yeah, and there was just, like, this little, this is, you know, on a big sheet of paper, this is pumpkin. He is a man. He is a pumpkin man. Mm -hmm. Printed that out. It had even had, like, the little uh, perforations where you tear it from, from the printer. It was that kind of old printer paper. 
And I remember being so yeah, yeah. proud of that. And I think like anybody who tells a story or in any medium, the reaction is what you are addicted yes. to more than yeah. anything else. So I've got, you know, For a sure. large family. I've got eight siblings and most of them are like, look what he did. Eight siblings. Look what he did. That's pretty cool. How come you don't do that? And I'm like, oh, this is good. This is a way to stand out from the rest of you because there's mm-hmm. a lot of you. Sure. They're like, yeah, this is a, a good way to do that because none of us do that and you did it. And I'm like, okay, well, then I'm going to do it. That's the one that I do. So so nobody else in your family is an artist? Not in this particular way because, you know, you could mm-hmm. you could okay. call, you know, acting or crafting. Or, oh, yeah, sure. You know, there's many subtle arts, but in this particular way, no. Okay. No, I think my dad, um, you know, was a welder for a living uh, and worked at like a, a paper mill. But he, um, you know, he and my mom were part of a repertory theater company, Tex mm. Rep, out in Texarkana. Uh, mm-hmm. Texas, uh, Texarkana Repertory Company, it was called. And our family would do plays and stuff, but my dad would do a lot of the set building and set decoration. So he he was oh, an that's artist. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, yeah, there's definitely a part of, I mean, this... I hadn't even put two and two together. I feel really stupid. I'm like, oh, well, obviously, because that's like 90% of where <laughs> the story for, of Mau Mau comes from. My dad is a hero, and I want to be like him, but it's not good enough. Why sure, aren't I yeah. good enough? And I have all these siblings who he who he likes better. Maybe he would like me if I did this. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> it's all too real. It's pretty painfully obvious for anybody. I mean, any of my... I feel uh, that one of the uh, this is you know we we'll, we'll we'll circle back, but I just keep you know anytime my siblings will watch the show, they'll I can tell when they're watching because they'll randomly text me out of the blue and go "love you, baby bro" or like "I love you, brother," and I'm like, "You're watching the show," and you're like, "Oh no, he's not well." <laughs> uh oh, I don't think this was good on him. We're okay for the most part. Well, not entirely, but oh, this had an effect on you and. It, I feel like they're like, just so you know, you know, we like you. You're you're good enough. And I'm like, I'm yeah, like, yeah. it's a, I'm like, it's oh, a, <laughs> it's okay. Unpacking all that emotional. Yeah, I have to it. text them and be like, it's it's okay. We're good. I'm like, that's not where this. It it does come <laughs> from there, but it's not really completely. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're you're mining gold. Yeah, in the I'm like, if I was yeah. not past this in some way, it would be impossible for me to be like, let's make a funny out of it. I'd be like, it's right. not yeah. funny. This is not yeah. hysterical at all. This hurts me on... I mean, it's it's can also be that. But yeah, um, uh, I also want to add that uh, uh, my father was not Clancy Brown and he didn't purposefully ignore me. Uh, there's, it's, right, right, it's, right. Uh, there's a nuance in that in the show that I think a lot of people are like, oh, I hate Mama's dad. And I'm like, you know what? You try having that many kids and being able and yeah. being able to pay attention to all of them equally. You're going to fail. You are going to fail. Yeah. Well, those people are don't have kids, probably. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Those people are kids, so it's like, yeah. Yeah, those people are children. But uh, beyond that, they're they're justified in their in their thinking, and it's like, but it and For it's sure. also interesting to see how other people can, you know, uh, have an opinion on something that, while it's art, is also very much like, hey, this is my truth. Go away. Mm-hmm. You don't get to have an opinion on my life. I am sharing it with you. You are allowed to laugh at it and cry at it, but you're not allowed to say, you know, I hate X, Y, and Z. Like, no, you weren't there. Get out. I think that's really funny, though, like, that, like, 
it's funny that you mentioned that because I do like I have this webcomic on the side and I have like one main character mm -hmm. that is purposefully written to be like the not anti-hero but like the character that everybody hates right mm -hmm. Antagonist, and yeah. it's really funny to see like everyone's reaction and be like I hate this character so much this character deserves all these bad things to happen to them mm -hmm. and I was just kind of like that's insane that's a know. that's like a weird weird thing with the internet huh where people like have no longer <laughs> uh, they've lost the ability to separate like this is a bad person and this is a bad character because like the whole point of a villain is to be a villainous yeah and then like people are like I don't like these traits about that villain it's like I don't I don't like them I think that they're mean and it's like yeah, that's yes. That's the, the my point. favorite. <laughs> my, my favorite is everybody's got to go to therapy. I'm like, there wouldn't be a show. I'm like, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the people making the show agree with you. They should all go to therapy. That's the yes. That yes. That's that's yeah. the bit. <laughs> if Batman went to therapy, I he wouldn't be punching poor people. <laughs> you figured it out. That's that's what I always think about. Is it's like Congrats. how much? Because it's like you know, I go see a therapist, and I'm like. How much of this do I really want to unpack, or should I hold on to this? To like that is, I will say that that is uh, for your for your listeners. Just go and don't hold yes. on to it. You'll be happier. Definitely but not. This is just me. It's yeah. that I don't know if you guys have heard that. Uh, it was like a, a David Lynch interview where he was talking about, you know, I you know I went and I saw a therapist and I asked the therapist, "Hey, therapist, <laughs> if we solve all my problems, could it affect my art?" And the therapist said, yes. And then I said, I quit this then. Yeah. And yeah, you know, is, the, is that healthy? No, it's no. not. But that's your choice to make. And as long as, that, as long as you take responsibility for that, and that's not, you know, bleeding into other people's lives to the point where you're a public nuisance. Then... Yeah, you don't, you don't want to affect others. Well, I think yeah. that, like, in, in reality, I joke, but in reality... Uh, it actually helps because it, yes. it like unpacks yeah. stuff and you start to understand the, the reasons to, behind You're giving things. the tools yeah. to process what it is that you're feeling without, without yes. being like, I feel like my head's going to explode because I don't, I can't, too much is happening. <laughs> and, yeah. and I'm just, I a, I'm just one person. How am I supposed to process any of this? Yeah. You need somebody yeah. paid to listen to it. <laughs> I feel mm -hmm. like you need someone to, like you need to understand these mechanisms really thoroughly in yourself so then you yep. can actually write them in a meaningful Definitely. way because yeah. if you don't understand what you're feeling and what you're going through it's extreme I feel like it's extremely hard to actually write it and articulate it in a way that makes sense in the story well that's what um, I think that's also David Lynch's point because it's about he's very big on abstraction and not yeah mm -hmm. okay that makes you know sense. what i mean uh -huh. which is what people mm -hmm. are what artists are afraid of is saying like oh when i get rid of that like you want the therapy is the art that's what I it see. is mm -hmm. that's he's mm -hmm. like i'm exploring this within myself and people are like it doesn't make sense and he's like yeah it doesn't yeah, i'm how do you trying to make sense of it by filming it and now having you know my sort of release based on that but um yeah everybody uh works differently in that regard and i'm i'm able to respect that as long as that you know that artist is also not a monster because i'm sure there's some people mm -hmm. who are like i'm working out my issues and i also like to scream at people who work with me and i'm like okay no that's not you working yeah. out your yeah, issues that's... that's you being a jerk you need to take some responsibility yeah. 
for your life. Um, yeah, don't let it affect others. So we, we've strayed pretty far, but I'll circle back for for you. <laughs> That's just kind of how it goes on the but show. But I will circle back and say that that is probably the earliest thing I can remember in terms of, oh, you know, my the I can create something that affects people, and I like this feeling, and furthermore, my hand likes the feeling of drawing something. It's good. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I'm getting a little better at it, and I'm getting a little better. And just like probably every other artist you talk to, and even yourselves, I, yeah. you know, would, I did very well in school because, uh, not this, this, we're talking about this next part. There are a lot of artists who did not do very well in school, but I came from a big family who, again, much like the show I created, demanded success and it was incredibly competitive and it was because we didn't have much. And the idea was, uh, succeed or, uh, have nothing. That is, those are your mm-hmm. options. So you better be incredibly good. And, uh, you know, we all drove each other uh, competitively to, to be, uh, you know, whatever our idea of the best was, which for a kid is just make good grades, be in all these sort of other other things, find a way to yeah. achieve. So I did very well in school, but it also, I, I was bored. And so I spent a lot of time, you know, you finish the worksheet. This is the thing I think I'm saying all the artists can relate to. You finish your worksheet and what do you do? You flip it over and you start drawing on it. And then your teachers yeah, get yeah. mad at you. Does this happen anymore? I don't know. But uh, they would get, <laughs> how, how could you draw on this? I'm like, this has more value than this stupid thing you had me fill out. This is good now. <laughs> yeah, that's that's trash, basically. This is it, it was worthless, and now it's amazing because I drew whatever this is on it. Garfield or something, probably. Do you think your, do your parents uh, keep any of that stuff? Uh, well, we'll get to this in the podcast. My parents are well dead. So I don't have it. Oh, <laughs> there's okay. no, there's none gotcha. of that. But I think some of my siblings might have some of that stuff. It's entirely possible. Gotcha. I, yeah, I don't How, know. Uh, where are you on the order of age? And I am the your youngest. Siblings? You're the youngest mm-hmm. of the baby. Okay. Gotcha. Do you feel like that was more pressure on you to yeah. uh, outperform your siblings? Hard to say. I mean, what's what's funny is like anybody who's watched my show, it's like, yeah, it's one to one. It's not that. It's this. There's the only difference is you know I have five sisters. Mama has five sisters, but I also have three brothers, and he doesn't. I was like, ah, extraneous. I'm like, we're gonna be exploring the issues that a young man grows up with. We've got the young man character. I don't need three more. We're good. <laughs> I'm like, you all are composite, but sure. there were sort of different expectations for all of us. And I would say, you know, by the time I came around, my parents were just drained as human beings. So it's like mm-hmm, they, mm-hmm. they were still expectations, but there's way less time to pay attention to whatever it was I was doing. And also when you're the last, you're, you know, the baby. So mm-hmm. you have a lot more, I don't know, room to just be a, a brat. And I got away with a lot of stuff, but mm. it's weird that that pressure and, you know, some of my siblings, you know, I can't really speak for them, but some of them just, uh, some of them took it well and were like, cool, pressure, all right, well, then I'll be the best. And some of them were like, eek, pressure, I hate this, this is like screwing hmm. me up. And some of them were like, pressure, screw you. I'm going to rebel in every yeah. single way possible. So that's, those are basically the only ways you can respond to that. I would say, right. I, I, I hesitate to say that I hesitate to say that there that, that the pressure even really literally existed. That's the thing. Looking back on it, I'm like, how much of this was is just totally in our heads, and maybe we were just That's good enough, how, and it yeah. was fine. I I can't say. I really don't know, but I would say not so much that 
it mattered to me, I would say my competitiveness and my ambition and drive doesn't really come from, I mean, it can't, there, there is, that pressure doesn't exist anymore. It's more about the competitiveness with my family. And yeah, it's, it's, that's alive and well, we're all grown. We have kids, sorry, still there. Uh, so now my sisters compete over like, you know, who my kid loves the most and they'll send her presents <laughs> and stuff. So it's, it's wonderful, but it's toxic, but in a nice way, <laughs> I don't know how else to put it, but yeah, well, I, yeah. I, hes- I hesitate to say that, that, that it's the, it's the pressure so much as the competitive, my own competitive spirit that drove me to say, well, do I really care what my parents thought or what society thinks? I'm like, no, I need them to know personally that I'm better. If that yeah. makes any more sense. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't no, make it any like... it doesn't make it any better, but it's but I will also say it is also about impressing them too, because that's an equal part of it. It's about like if they validate me, then I then then I'm enough and this is good. And for the most part they did too, which is why it's it's hard to say that like, oh I just didn't it it wasn't enough. There really it's the it was the desperation for attention from parents who physically cannot give you enough of it that mm-hmm. is i think um what i think most of us were dealing with more than just about anything else you can't you cannot pay attention to nine kids equally you can't yeah. especially when you're also like working a a graveyard shift at a paper mill and you i i can't imagine <laughs> it doesn't I, work i, I can't I yeah. can't wrap my head around raising nine kids and, and working just a job. It doesn't yeah. matter what job. Like, that's, yeah. that's insane. Because they were both working, too, is the thing. Yeah, it's a it's a weird thing. Well, I think my mom was a homemaker for a long time, and then she went back to work. And it, But it was – either way, it's there's still just not there, – there's not enough. And it also, I think, you know, having kids, period, makes you just crazy. It just makes – they mm-hmm. they drain your life force out of you the day they're born just uh, just a little mm-hmm. bit and they can keep they keep doing it because that's their role their role is to take over someday so mm-hmm. yeah I, I look back and i'm like oh no they did great <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> yeah. like i could be resentful all i want but like with adult eyes i'm like no good job i'm glad we're all alive for the most part you did good did your, did your like older siblings kind of take on some of the like parenting roles yes yeah yeah Without getting too much more into it, a hundred percent, because there's yeah, no, yeah. there's no alternative. So yeah, I'm, I'm sure. sure I'm. I know for a fact I called a couple of my sisters' mom, because I mm. just didn't know any better. And they'll say it. They'll be like, "No, you were my baby," and I'm like, "Don't get weird." I'm like, "Just yeah." <laughs> That's kind of weird. Yeah. Well, so let's let's move let's move forward. So what uh, when you were like in high school, what were some of your like earliest kind of projects or when did you kind of start really uh putting stuff out online and yeah being an active artist it's interesting you know i think uh like most artists of a certain age the internet comes into play and when if if you're competitive or ambitious and you're able to see what other people are doing it kind of lights a fire under you when you're Mm -hmm. like oh man i'm i thought i was decent like i am not good enough (laughs) at all and even worse today, I don't know how kids do it today. I'm like, I think I would just roll over and quit. I would have told, I'm like, if I were competing today and I look back and see what I was doing at like 22 when I first started working, I I, I don't know how they do it. I'm seeing 19-year-olds who are already better than me. So it's like, 
<laughs> you guys are amazing. It's there's so much to like. Yeah, I I feel you because it's like I can't imagine being like 13 and seeing how much stuff is out there and like people are like i'm 14 and i drew this masterpiece and it's just like i'm 13 and i'm still figuring out yeah <laughs> like use Photoshop. which i want to say to young artists who are listening to like don't lean into that feeling if you're compelled to create art create art it's good enough because it's coming from you it's different yeah. because it's coming from yep. you it will be everyone has a voice art is the most noble thing you can pursue i don't care what it is you're making just make it and try not to be afraid and you'll get better just by the doing of the thing. So maybe a little corny, but I do believe it. Um, so, well, even when I was like starting out, I mean, I started out like in the new ground scene and, you know, all the flash animation stuff. And, uh, I mean, even then there was stuff that was like so mind blowing, but it, it lights a fire, like you said. And weirdly, I mean, yeah, I just started doing my own animation stuff and it found an audience. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I would have never guessed that if I, if I hadn't just tried, but you never know, like the stuff mm -hmm. you make, it will resonate with people no matter what level of quality it is. Mm -hmm. And uh, I know at least in my case, people would say that like the flash stuff I made felt more achievable than some of the more popular things. And that was actually more inspiring. And so like, yeah, just do it. Just like make stuff, you, you never know. Absolutely. Uh, so I would say, you know, uh, the internet and people drawing with tablets was kind of burgeoning by the time I was in uh, high school. And I remember like mm -hmm. driving out to a Best Buy in Shreveport. That was the closest place. Uh, and trying to, you know, I think I, I got a little Wacom tablet and was trying to like, you know, create stuff on, you know, Paint Chat or DeviantArt or wherever the people were and be mm -hmm, like, what do mm -hmm. you know? Teach me what you know about this because I'm just drawing in sketchbooks and stuff. And then, you know, I can't say that I did anything that was, I don't know, like that broke through in high school. It took me being in art school and being just out of it in order to even start to understand how you could uh, animate and just put things on. I mean, it wasn't until the very end of art school that I was like, oh my God, you can draw on individual frames of adobe uh flash or whatever and mm -hmm. it's just like animating on paper like i didn't know <laughs> i didn't know that until i was out of school and that's when i was like okay i'm gonna do this dr mario thing i'm gonna do little fan animations and that ended up uh you know better than anything else i had built in a portfolio that ended up getting me uh work you know, at Titmouse, yeah. um, where, and I think I've famously said it before, and it, it could sound insulting, but I don't mean it that way. I just remember, you know, I was staring down the barrel of, I do not have a job. I desperately need money. I'm out of school. Mm -hmm. I am an animator. I know how to do this. I've done a lot of freelance. And I remember watching TV and I'm like, which one of these can I work on? And I was watching Metalocalypse and I'm like, I could do that. I don't care how, oh, I don't yeah. care how they do it. I could do it. I can kind of see how it's done. Okay, I'm going to apply yeah. to that. And I did. And I, you know, I had an interview and they hired me purely because they had seen some of those, uh, like really kind of poor quality black and white animations I had done. And they were like, yeah, they're funny. They made us laugh. So you're hired. So I started doing, um, you know, I was hired to animate on Black Panther, the animated series for uh, BET. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think like just before that started, they put me on some other gig just so I could start earlier. And I was doing like shading on a rotoscoped project for a, a Japanese film called Bataan. Weird, 
project and kind of soul crushing, but a good fire to sort of be forged in. And uh, from there, uh, there, I think the rest, as they say, is history for me. Like I just, I use that drive and ambition I have to, if you put me in a job, no matter what it is, I'm going to do my best to be better than everyone else. Hell yeah. It doesn't mean that I am. I just mean, I'm going to look at whoever's next to me and be like, all right, that's what you're doing. I'm going to do twice that much. You did, you, (laughs) you, you stayed till how late? Uh, Maybe I'll stay a little later. This is not good, kids. Don't listen to this. But I did it. Yeah, I was going to say that. <laughs> that's uh, That can be quickly soul-crushing. Yeah, protect yourself and don't burn out. But I was very, very young, and I had the energy to do it. And uh, I'm. Yeah, I was going to say, when you're young, that's the time to actually pr- to do that. But then you got to like start. And it was also a different it. it was also a different time, you know? And it sounds weird to say about 2009, but it was. It was a completely different time. Right. 12 years ago. And... Right? Uh, yeah, it just the the needs and the style of you know stuff we're working on were completely different, and uh, also just the the vibe at a place like Titmouse was totally different. It still is very you know punk rock place to work, but it was mm-hmm. straight up fifty employees tops. That's it, like max across mm-hmm. the states. And now it is yeah. so much more than that. That's huge now. But yeah, it was so you knew every single person coming into work, and you knew. It was a lot easier to wrap your head around every single project that every single employee is working on and the needs of it. And if you want to see how compositing works, uh, turn a corner. There's a compositor. If you want to know, you know, how they're directing, like ask somebody if you could sit in the edit bay. Check it out. Uh, Lean over someone's desk. Be annoying. And I was. I'm sure there are plenty. I'm sure you could talk to every single person who had worked at Titmouse from a certain period. Maybe a good, maybe... 2009 2014 ask any of those people uh what was parker like and their <laughs> their first word would be loud and i think the second word would be annoying <laughs> but yeah tip mouse tip mouse is great it, it really like fosters this little family and and like it's seem so my girlfriend worked there more recently um for for a spell but she started in production i mean it's casey williams she's been on the show whoever uh, for the listeners but um she started in production and then just like was vocal about wanting to do color and they let her do color and she still will like be doing freelance for them and it, it's really great because it, even though it's gotten bigger it feels like it's still very like it it tries to keep its people and it tries to kind of create this uh yeah this community almost uh that's 100 percent it and and i would say that you know, not that I'm a spokesman for them at all, but there's a reason that like artists, even though you could, you know, leave and, and do X, Y, and Z that you want to come back again and again. And right. and it has to do with uh, the fact that it is, as Chris P would call it, an artist run studio. That's what it is. Yeah. It's gosh, I'm just thinking about, and I, I won't name this project, but um you know, I was working on, I worked on a lot of pilots. I've been on the pilot for Black Dynamite. I did like the That Frog Curtis music video. There's little Sesame Street mm-hmm. Fairy. I was on the pilot for China, Illinois. A lot of stuff. Wow. I was on the pilot for Motor City before it went. And that was like a breakthrough moment for me because I was like, oh, this show looks too good. They won't let me on it. And then they did let me on it. And then they let me do a rig for this whole, it, like an entire character. And I'm like, they trust me. But like, you know, working on all that stuff, I don't know. It's interesting. 
I have completely lost my train of thought. <laughs> we were talking about... If you could rewind a little bit. There was something insightful I wanted to say. It was specifically about working on pilots. But, um, gosh, you were talking about uh, being able to move from position to position. Oh, it being an artist-run studio. Okay, so before I forget. Uh, mm-hmm. So... I was working on a pilot. I, this is one that I won't name. So I named those other ones just so you know it wasn't them. Uh, you And so I was working on it and it was like a test animation. And I remember being in a meeting with Chris P. who was the owner of the studio. This is important. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting in that meeting and we're reviewing the footage and he's happy with everything. And I'm just sort of sitting there and I go, do we even want this <gasps> show? And he goes, he's like, well... Uh, and I'm like, this is just a pain in the ass. I'm like, this isn't fun. And I don't know if anybody's going to have fun working. I'm like, do we want this? And, you know, of course, his answer was like, we need jobs. <laughs> he's, yeah. he's like, yes, we want. Yes, we. But he could have, if it were any other studio or any other boss, could have been like aghast, could have been like, I'm never working with that person again, or could have done any number of things because objectively that was an inappropriate sort of politically speaking you know you you don't say that but it was just me and him and we're artists talking to each other and he uh was was patient and was you know explaining the situation but also wasn't dismissive when i was like this is a chore to work on and i'm worried that artists will not have fun working on it and only you know most people who run a studio or run any other place would be like i don't care if it's fun, just take the job. I'm paying you money. You know what I mean? Yeah. Chris and by extension, Titmouse, listen mm-hmm. to that. They're going to listen to that and say, yeah, okay, well, what, you know, what can we do? Or, you know, how do we make this rewarding? How do we incentivize X, Y, and Z? And, uh, I, I gotta say, I don't know many other places or people that would do that, listen to that, entertain it, or ever work with someone like me again after I'm just like, do we even want this? This sucks. But um, mm-hmm. I, I appreciate that. And we've worked together many, many times, uh, you know, after that. So I feel like yeah. this is really great that you bring that up because this is something that as someone who started her career in France, um, studios tend to be a lot smaller uh, you have a lot of like mm-hmm. skeleton crews and you have access to like really easy access to the showrunner generally and so there's often barely any politics at all and so you can be a lot more upfront and honest and just kind of like speak your mind and then when I moved over to LA and I got into those like really big structures I was just kind of like oh whoopsie <laughs> I think I, you know yeah you've got it you gotta you be know? you gotta be a little political and while that's an it's unfortunate no but it's like a really <laughs> it's, good if thing you don't... To, to bring up i think because i think like you know oh, we is. always talk about art we always talk about like how to be a better animator better like uh or a better storyteller like everything creative but i feel like especially i mean we'll probably get into that like as when you talk about pitching mao mao and and all that but like you have to be really good with people and politics when you kind of climb up yeah yeah and it's a business. It's a business, and business is going to require uh, knowing, you know, how to how to make things happen beyond just like with your talent. <laughs> it's like you have to you have to know the right people. You have to be there in the right place at the right time. There's a lot of that kind of shit. Yeah, being being a genius is not mm-hmm. enough. You, no, you've it's got not. To, it's... You've got to learn how to 
deal with people and uh, especially if you're going to and I, I, I'm sure I've said this somewhere before but there's so many people who I see this tweet every day well yeah I'm, I'm gonna run this show wait till I get this show and I'm just like pump your brakes you don't need to be running no show you are a board revisionist right now and you need to take some time to yep. learn how to manage a team when you've done that yeah. then you could talk about just wait i'm like no mm -hmm. I, <laughs> no one should work with you because you are a ticking time <laughs> you're gonna yeah something horrendous is gonna happen because you have no idea how to deal with not just people but a team of people and then on top of that your budget your schedule all that other stuff which is why it's important for people who if that's your your goal in animation to not only branch out understand the entirety of the pipeline to the best of your ability i don't think there's very few people who are like, I could totally do every single thing myself. Like, that's amazing, but rare. But it is yeah. important that you try to understand it and try to, like, figure out where your compromises are and where they aren't and what is possible and what isn't possible so that when you're finally in charge, not just of running a team, but of putting together a team, you're going to have more appreciation for your limitations because you are going to have limitations you're not gonna have a perfect budget you're not gonna get every single artist you've ever wanted to hire the timing like mm -hmm. the schedule won't work out maybe mm -hmm. you want to make this incredible thing and you do have all the money but you don't have all the time in the world like you need to, to take some time to really learn understand things manage things on a smaller scale before you branch out and do bigger and bigger stuff and on top of that i would also say one of the best ways to do that believe it or not you know we're talking about dealing with people is to do more stuff on your own, which is advice I give to yep. younger artists all the time. I'm like, finish a short by yourself. Yup. Not for school, not for some project. I don't care if it's good. Mm -hmm. I don't care if it's funny. It could be crap. It doesn't matter. Just do it. Do it all. Do everything start to finish, and you will have a great appreciation for the process. And when you understand your own limitations, it makes it a lot easier to understand other artists' limitations. And mm -hmm. definitely. You learn patience for yourself. You learn patience for others. You know, you learn, yeah. yeah, I, I, the best way to try to understand how to run a show is to, is definitely to like make stuff of your own, and also to like try to bring other people in. Mm -hmm. Obviously, when you're like a student, it's hard to like pay you know professional artists, but like every, friends are always willing to help each other. Mm -hmm. Like, and and I'm sure you worked on stuff with with friends back in oh, the yeah. day, and it's like. Yeah, and you learn how to deal with different personalities. You learn how to build a pipeline on some small scale, you know. And mm -hmm. it's like those things all just get extrapolated out bigger it's and wider. A, but if you have the basic tools, it helps. Yeah, absolutely. And it's something you should be building on. And I don't think you need to be like, oh, if I don't do this, I'm going to die. It's like, you'll be all right. Just by naturally working your way up the chain and paying attention and, you know, talking to people, you're, you'll get there. And I would say... Oh, uh, like here's a, a word of uh, caution. Let's let this be a cautionary mm -hmm. tale. Like, you know, on there have been, you know, you know, this person I worked with who, you know, incredible, amazing artist. You know, the work was always supreme, and they really busted their hump. Like they're they they're the Vegeta to my Goku mm -hmm. is how mm -hmm. I'll put it. <laughs> and they're incredibly mad that, you know, I would get an opportunity to direct or do other, some other thing. And then on one particular thing, I'm directing this project. And again, it's like a, they shouldn't have been jealous. It's like a shoestring budget had to be done in a month. Like nothing to really be jealous yeah. of. But they they took it as a slight because they work 
You know what I mean? Like, how dare Kakarot mm-hmm. get this before what? me? Yeah. And I'm like, gosh, what a wonderful thing I did. You know, mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. it's infuriating for them. But, you know, they also ended up working on the project directly underneath mm-hmm. me. And, you know, they were doing good work, but also just eventually started coming in late. Really kind of resentful, just kind of mad. And being able to take a situation like that, understand what's going on. And, you know, I took them to lunch. We had to talk about it. I heard every concern they sort of had. I got to, you know, listen to their, you know, inner monologue, you know, out loud and be able to talk to them about their desires and their goals. And things were mostly better after that. Like they got with the program and it was good, but I I also took the time to listen. But I want to say what I had to tell that person was, you know, if you, you know, their main concern was how come I am not the one directing this and why is it you? And it's like, do you want me to sit down and be like, because I fucking rule and you don't? You don't want to hear mm-hmm. that. But yeah. here's the thing that I, I did try to explain. And this is the cautionary tale. Because that's not true. It's not because I rule and they don't. Um, but I feel like somewhere in their head, that you know, you're insecure about it. But I'm like, here's what happened. I'm like, if you are constantly concerned as an artist with never compromising on the quality in any respect to the point that you are killing yourself with work, that doesn't impress people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in in their mind, working really hard and bre- again, like Vegeta, I will break my body and then mm. we... Yeah. Guess mm-hmm. what? That's not what it's about. Mm. It's about choosing the right battles to fight. And what I tried to explain to them was like, hey man, they didn't put me in charge of this because I'm a better or smarter or more talented artist than you. They put me in charge of it because they knew I would get it mm-hmm. done. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to get it done because I'm going to see some stuff and go, here's notes. But I'm also going to see other stuff and go, good mm-hmm. enough. It's got to get out. It's got to get out the door. Right. And yep. or I or if it's a problem, I know the fastest way to fix it instead of saying sit down and reanimate it frame by frame, which would have been their approach right. because they're very exacting, mm-hmm. like, you know, Miyazaki type artist. And I'm like, yeah, that's why. That is why. So in a way, I'm like, yeah, you're not in charge because you're too good. Which is, you know, a little bit of a Jedi mind trick, but it was true. And so what I want to impart to your uh, artists listening who are like, I want to be in a leadership position. It is important that you understand just being the best artist is not how you get there. It's about leading a team and understanding people and understanding limitations, Mm -hmm. knowing which battles to fight. If you're the type of person who fights every battle, you shouldn't be in charge of anything. Mm -hmm. Although that person, I know they're hearing this right now and they're like, and that's where you're wrong because I never compromise and my shit's good. And I'm like, good for you. You're the exception to the rule. Most of you fizzle out uh, very quickly and get really frustrated and angry. And then the rest of us have to suffer through your insanity <laughs> because because of, because of the perceived slight that you're, you're taking from not getting a promotion. So uh, just a word of warning. It's not enough to work hard. Focus on those people skills pick your battles and understand where your time and effort should go rather than just you're not going to be able to muscle through everything it's it's not going to work that was great okay yeah (laughs) well let's 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 uh take it back so you uh where'd you go to art school this is one of those questions that I just hate because I'm like, it wasn't a good school, but I'll answer. I've answered this so many times and I'm always embarrassed because I'm I mean, like, that's how I answered. But mine, I'm like, yeah. I went to the Art Institute of San Diego and that 
I also went to an art institute. They are closed for fraud. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, yeah, all, yeah. My my school that I my art institute shut down because of that, and, all that all those lawsuits. And they fired teachers when they tried to unionize, and I remember that being oh, really no. really awkward. And it was my me- it's a terrible. It was school. like a couple of my favorite teachers and one who was my mentor mm-hmm. that got fired. Yeah, yeah. And it was just uh, it was super odd. And, you know, looking back, I'm like, oh, now that I know everything they were doing behind the scenes, of course, that's what they did. But I would say the the best part of the experience was not only just getting to know people, but really, uh, you know, uh, for all that I can say about, like, you don't, I really don't think you need to go to college. (laughs) I don't think you need to go to art school. I think now there are so many amazing resources and I'm already seeing these kids teach themselves. I'm like, good, continue. You got this. Now work on a project with some other people, and you will learn way more that way than you'll ever learn in a structured environment. Oh, great to hear. I I do want to have like our guests kind of talk about that because I do like obviously I think a lot of the people listening are um, up and coming artists, and uh, I do mm-hmm. want to highlight that there are so many different ways of like obviously mm-hmm. if you if you need a structure and 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 you don't like trust yourself I, I think like for me it was really good that i went to art school because i don't think i i could have thrived without the structured environment but i think like if yeah. you're really good at like kind of building your own schedule and finding a community uh i definitely think like you're gonna save so much money and you're gonna like and you can learn so much faster too especially because you can learn like the things that are really that really appeal to you like you can spend all of your time working on the things that are appealing to you when you when you build your own schedule yeah compared contrasting to sometimes in college and art school they're gonna throw some classes at you that you don't care about at all and you're still like yeah oh man (laughs) i i wish that's I don't know about you, Parker, but I my school like insisted on us learning CG a lot because that's like yeah. that's where the jobs are. Yeah. And I was like, I'm never gonna need this. I know what I want to do, and I was just spending hours on learning shit that I was gonna have to like, just throw out in the trash. Yep, same. And it was such a bummer. Absolutely the same. Yeah. And what I was gonna say was, you know, I talked earlier about like, hey, you know, I didn't really figure out what I could do until I was out of college, and that was because. I was taking this, it was like a 3D character animation uh, class and, you know, good good class, but I spent every waking hour drawing. And anybody who knew me in art school could tell you that my car was just filled with 12 field animation paper and I never was outside the animation lab. My hand was constantly uh, with a, a pencil to paper. It was, it's a compulsion. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I must improve. I must do this. I'm understanding this now. Yes, yes, yes. I see. Ah, liquid kind of works that mm-hmm. way. All right, we'll move it. Uh, I've never done. Uh, yeah, yes. A hand does look like that when it's moving towards it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. A lot of just sort of crazed behavior. Um, so I really wanted to do 2D animation. That's where my heart was. And I was in this, you know, last semester, like I'm graduating soon. I'm in this character animation class. And the teacher, uh, great teacher, uh, but he's like, we were doing like, an, I think, what is it called? 11 Second Club or whatever. You take mm-hmm. some audio and you animate mm-hmm. to it. We're doing one of those. Mm-hmm. And he's like, here's how I do it. Because he had won a couple times. And he'd animated it like Blue Sky and, you know, RIP. Uh, but, he, you know, yeah. he's a professional animator who was teaching us, which I always appreciated. Um, and he, uh, he'd, he, he um, you know, pulled up his file. And he's like, okay, this is how I normally do it. You know, I open up a little flash file and I just kind of do a little... 
a little test run, like a little rough animation, and I create some keys on twos, and I'm watching it, and I'm like, huh? And he's like, and then I create a new flame frame here, and I draw the character doing this, and I'm like, ha ha And he's like, and then I do this, and I'm like, ha I swear to God, like, in my mind, I left the class at that moment. I left. Yeah. I ran out, and I was like, I didn't know you could do this! I didn't know you could do this! I've been drawing on paper like an idiot! And putting it underneath the camera. I could just traditionally animate and use flash keyframes to act yeah. as keyframes what's wrong with my brain and then i never looked back it just didn't that know. was it and i feel mad because i'm like i didn't really need school to teach me that somebody just could have told me that once i had taken oh, my man. once i took like two basic animation classes i didn't need anymore mm. that was all i needed i needed somebody to teach me these are the principles of just animation right here's timing here's your overlap and follow through Here's your arts, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. And then here's a tablet and flash. You make keyframes like this. Bye! And I would have had a much easier time and I could have saved a lot of money because that's really all that I needed. And it Let's just practice my beyond life. that. Like, you, yeah. you just need to do the work. You just got to feel it out. Like, animation is not something you can study in a book, really. It's, a craft. it's just yeah. learning the way. Yeah, it, it's yeah, a it's trade, a craft. it's a craft. You learn, there, there are ways to. There are right and wrong ways to do certain things, but it's also an art, and you figure that out by exploring, repetition, you know, yep. practice, like like building any other muscle. You have to just build it. Yeah. And there's only so much a school can give you. When I was in uh, my art institute, we had a professor who was actively teaching kids <gasps> the wrong way to use Flash, and I'll explain. I don't know if I told this story before on the podcast, but... There, we had basically like one track of 2D animation and then everything else was CG. So like every year was like one class that would teach quote unquote animation. But the first year was like build maquettes for some fucking reason. And then the next one was like come up with some characters. And then the third year was like animate them just doing loops. It was like it was terrible. It was a complete waste of time. And I was just meanwhile cranking out like five minute shorts in, in that time. And, uh, but he was teaching, he was this old, older dude and he clearly didn't know how to use flash. And his method was animate on paper and then scan in all the drawings into flash and trace bitmap them yep. to break them down into oh. vectors, which is awful. Anybody who's ever that done that? Also, that's also what we did. That's oh, also man. what we did. Is this like a school wide? <laughs> that's so insane. But it sucks. It's a good. It's a good way to forge your skills, man. Like it broke some people, but it did not deter me. I'm like, okay, if that's how it's got to be, then that's how it's got to be. I just, I had been, I had been animating since you know, like since I was 12, and so by the time I got to college, I ended up teaching a lot of my like friends how to use Flash better than that fucking class. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and it was kind of what you said. It's just like it's just keyframes, and then you just animate, and, then, and there's like symbols if you want to get fancy and save time, and yeah, and that's it. You'll figure you know? it. You'll, it f- you'll figure it out. Sink or swim. Yeah. Uh, Google it if you don't understand something. Like, like especially now, like Google is just so good. Like. I feel like you know back back in yeah. the days like 10 years uh yeah like 10 years ago like you saw you, there was resources but like now you have a million youtube videos a million podcasts uh and yeah, yeah so many yeah yeah yeah, yeah. There's so, so much great. i'd love to ask about um sort of the process of getting mau mau picked up mm-hmm. uh because it's it's a co-production with tip uh, yeah. mouse right uh, mm-hmm. actually before we go into mau mau mm-hmm. to too long did did we talk about you directing uh parker just yet 
kind of briefly yeah i mean i was basically talking about uh you know telling uh my co-worker then about um right you know, the project. W- what you should do if you're going to move up but in terms of uh you know I don't, I don't know if there's anything else more specific you want to ask about directing i'm more than happy to answer it i can also opine if that's what i was you need. um i was just uh kind of wondering like for you did you want to like was it a goal for you to direct or kind of what was your goal in um animation was it just to be like the the best animator out there or did you want to did you always want to pitch a show and was directing a step Hmm. towards pitching a show i would i would say it's a fantastic question and this answer may shock (laughs) you to your core (laughs) Uh, you know what? I, my primary concern when I got out of school and for the longest time was just uh, making mm-hmm. a living. That's all I ever right. wanted. I'm like, yeah, I just yeah. want to be. <gasps> I'm shocked. To, yeah, there you go. I just want uh, money so I could be alive. Um, <laughs> and mm-hmm. also, you know, I wanted to uh, get married to my longtime uh, girlfriend who had helped, like, mm-hmm. uh, just who had just nurtured me as a human being for for so long and that was my next goal i'm like all right we're gonna do that and i can't wait to buy her a ring and propose and do all this sort of stuff yeah. and those are my initial goals and beyond that everything else was like yeah. all right i'm just having a good time and it wasn't until it's interesting how that ambitious part of me you know had slept for a little bit and 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 i'm you know always going to be competitive and strive to be the best but i don't think at any point i was like i'm the best animator i'm like no i'm i'm serviceable much like playing a guitar or something i'm like I could do rhythm for you in a pinch. I'm like, this will, this will do, but I'm, you know, I, I know my limits, but I was able to over time, you know, in building my skill set, understand that I had a lot more broad talent to offer than just the animating part of it, because I, you know, could also design. And I did some of that in the motor city pilot. I was breaking down the sort of rig of the grandpa character and, figuring that out and i had done some of that on the uh, black dynamite pilot you know boarding and doing that stuff and then there'd be little projects here or there where you know uh tip mouse would bring in these sort of little indie projects and they need someone to do it and they give it to me or my you know longtime friend and collaborator uh, mike maloney we literally just sat next to each other so that's how we would get this work there's not many people there and they're like well you two can do it I'm like okay cool mm-hmm. and we'd figure it out and through those opportunities and and you know building myself up and also doing, you know, scratch voices for people's projects who are like, you do a lot of impressions. That's a pretty funny voice. Why don't you do this for this animatic we're doing? And then we'll figure it out later. Like, over time, I had built a skill set that equaled director. Mm-hmm. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't something mm-hmm. that I... It yeah. really was not something I set out to do. And I would say that I, it is not unnatural for me to pursue leadership roles. That's... I, I feel where I belong and where I thrive. But when it came to animation, I just wasn't really thinking about doing anything other than succeeding and making sure that the work I did was not only good, but was like a reason to hire me again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because mm-hmm. you're only as sure. good as your last drawing. You're only as good as your last right. scene. And if like, yeah, you know, we got you through this project, you're kind of a pain in the ass, but it's done great, you know, cool, your contract's over, see ya. But my thing was, and I could see that happen with some people who were like, yeah, they weren't very good, or oh, they didn't really take notes well, they would, you know, kind of, or this person kind of acted like a jerk in dailies, or uh, that guy would, you know, roll in it too, or this or that or whatever, just sort of saying like, okay, I see what the game is here, and naturally by, by saying like, all right, be agreeable 
in terms and i'm not saying like you know roll over i'm saying like don't be a jerk there's some people who are like wow they're yeah. a great animator but they're a complete ass um you know don't you know be a team player and uh sort of give people what they want because that was another thing i saw a lot of people would lavishly animate something and i heard directors say like hey you're giving me duckling all orange when i ordered a hamburger man mm-hmm. I don't need this. You wasted a week making this beautifully animated scene. I want to give you a pat on the back, but now I'm staring down the barrel at a project that's not going to be finished because you just had to make this one scene the best thing ever. So, yeah, over time, just sort of internalizing all that, uh, it showed through the projects they were giving me, and they gave me more and more, and eventually it was just something that I was doing and that I enjoyed doing. And... That, this will naturally dovetail into your next topic. Uh, By the point I wanted to, before I had even thought of, uh, you know, Mau Mau, we had worked on Motor City and we were working on Turbo. And I'm working on Turbo Fast. Uh, That was the first time I got to be, you know, I had directed stuff before that, but I was an animation director on that one, which was an interesting position. Uh, And the one thing that I noted was just... uh, the team I was working with were animators that I had worked with. And I, you know, I'm like, Oh, if anybody's sort of pissed that I'm leading the team, I've already dealt with that before. Like, I'll just take you to lunch again. I'm like, I know how this goes, but it was great. Mm-hmm. The, the, the hang up was we had just come off motor city, which was a show that we all felt a great degree of ownership over. And that was because, you know, Chris and Juno and everyone involved made sure we did. We were making a show that, we liked making it had badass action it's a gorgeous had show. cute yeah. moments it had funny moments it's got car stuff it's got effects it's got the type of it was the type of thing we all wanted to make and furthermore we really did feel like we were shining as animators specifically right. mm-hmm. being able to show off what we could do as this one team and it's a unique I feeling. feel like this is so true like i'm just doing this little tangent but this is exactly how I felt as a board artist on thundercats and i think it's so rare mm-hmm. to find a project where you're like it meets all of the criteria of what you want to do like comedy action and like heartfelt moments and then on top of that you can kind of show off i think that those are like yeah those are great it's a treat it's it's rare it's a treat it's so by the time we're working on turbo and this is no disrespect to turbo but it wasn't motor city and we didn't own it and we didn't feel a sense of ownership and so suddenly i'm in charge of a team of animators who I'm like, yeah, I know how to make these guys shine, but they didn't want to shine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they're like, they're like, this is a, and they did, believe me, they did great work, but it, it's not the same as feeling like, uh, you know, this is for me. I'm going to draw a snail. <laughs> Turbo's like, what? Oh, you, yeah. you didn't like oh, working God. on my show? Those cast shadows that Aww. I think we eventually got rid of. It looked really good, though. Did they, did they like, add up? Yeah. <laughs> Does it, is, did the shadows make it more expensive over time? It's just a time-wasting thing. We, we ended up... We yeah, ended was, up, that's, that's what I mean. It's like time is money. We ended up being able to do it in uh, in compositing. So it's like, let's just do it there. Oh, interesting. And yeah, how we did the... I don't know. Let's not get into... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think that's interesting. Dem, but yeah, Dem, but Dem we, snails is fast. Yeah, it, it was, it was mm-hmm. an interesting way to cut my teeth uh, on this sort of thing. But uh, y- yeah, uh, they were dying inside and I could see it. And uh, around that time, I had made, you know, a couple five-second day shorts. Five, shout out to Five Second Day, which is a thing Titmouse does once a year where it gives its artists a free day to just make a short and then we all air them, watch them in a theater and have fun. Yeah. And it's a great time. 
Uh, so I had mm -hmm. made a couple that went over really well. And they actually got me uh, a couple gigs, weirdly enough. Like the Shamrock Shake short I did, uh, somebody from Federator saw it and they're like, you want to do a Bravest Warriors thing? And I'm like, okay, why? And they're like, because I can't get this Shamrock Shake shit out of my head. It's mm -hmm. funny. Like, do, do, mm -hmm. They're like, do that. I'm like, okay, cool. And I could see, oh, the, just the power of, which is why I'm like, make your own shit. Goes a long mm -hmm. way. Uh, I wouldn't have got that job if I wasn't like, let me just make this stupid thing. That's not good. That's not brilliant. It's not Oscar winning. It's just some stupid thing. But it made a difference to that guy. So mm -hmm. it was around that time that somebody else had contacted me about that. And I think it was a uh, shout out to, I don't think I've ever named him before, just because I don't want him to feel bad because <laughs> uh, he was in development at the time. I don't want him to be like, damn it, I should have picked it up, but it probably would, wouldn't have worked for uh, Nickelodeon anyway, but it was Kevin oh, Lee. Oh, yeah, Kevin uh, who, Lee. Who was in development at the time. At, uh, he was in development at the time at Nickelodeon. He just emailed me out of the blue and he's like, hey, this is funny. And I saw your other stuff. Have you ever thought about pitching a show? And then uh, I feel like, my eyes just went blurry and I didn't look at the email anymore because I was like, I don't think I, I'm like, is this, what is this person telling me? Can I do a show? Have I? And it was this weird sort of epiphany moment where I'm like, you know what? Yes. Because I think I'd asked myself that a million times before where I'm like, oh, working on this show and this sucks. I should make something. And I'm like, I can't, I don't really have that. It's not there. The I'm like, as much as that would be great. And that's the goal for any storyteller to tell their own story. I'm like, it wasn't there yet. But suddenly, I was like, wait, 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 yes, all the pieces are here now. And it all just kind of clicked. <laughs> and I'm like, I can and I should. And so I just started drawing. I straight up opened a flash file. I drew Mau Mau. I drew Pinky. I drew Bear Clops at the time. Adorabat, King Snugglemane, Orangusnake. I had all the stars of the show. I didn't know what they were. I didn't know where they were going. But I knew what I wanted to draw. And more important than that, I knew the type of thing that my friends who were suffering... Uh -huh wanted to mm -hmm, animate mm -hmm. on and i'm like that's the show i'm gonna make i'm gonna make the show that my friends want to work oh on. that is that's really the goal cool. and i'll and i'll make sure that i dial into whatever it is whoever we're selling this to wants that's great but it's going to be not just the type of thing that i want to do which it is it's in incredibly personal to me but it's also beyond that you know cute characters badass characters swords but also uh, guns if we want them and also motorcycles <laughs> yeah. but they can fly maybe there's a dinosaur i don't care it's whatever we want that's what's in it mm -hmm. and it's funny but it's also kind of dark and messed up and sad and weird and disgusting and it's everything that again we wanted to work on and i think that shows uh when you watch it but that is where my desire to make it came mm -hmm. from it just kind of spiraled out from there and then just to you know uh long story short this um from there I, you know i met once or twice with kevin but it was too late i didn't it like the the initial seed was irrelevant i was doing something on my own now and i'm like cool all right here we go and the thing i wanted to do is i'm like i'm gonna take these characters out for a test drive so five second day came up i made a little five second day teaser which i think is still on youtube of just the characters interacting and I was doing the voice of Bear Clops as well. And he was like British. And I'm like, this isn't working. It just sounds like me arguing with me. <gasps> Who's really good at arguing with me? And I had made Smart Club, uh, which is like a really stupid little series of shorts with my friend Griff Kimmins, my best friend uh, in the entire world. And I'm like, he's really good. We play off each other great because he can't, he can't not argue with me. It's impossible for him <laughs> to have a conversation with me where he isn't challenging me 
uh, for no reason on nothing. And so I brought him in and it was funny. He was, he was bear clubs. Mm-hmm. He was great. And then I needed someone to do a cute voice. My friend Lika was just around. I'm like, Lika, can you do a cute voice? And she gave me the, just the biggest, uh, wildest hug out of nowhere. And was like, Oh my God. Yes. And I'm like, it's not that serious. Let's <laughs> just do this voice. But it's a testament to like how fun it already was just to be doing this little thing. We put it together. It was received really well. Showed it to Chris. Chris liked it. I said, please boss, can I have some money? He said, yeah. he said, maybe you can have a little bit of money sometimes. And then over the course of a year, I would, you know, they'd give me a chunk of change. I'd be on a project and I would do it maybe a little faster than I should have. And it would get done. And there's, I'm like, okay, we have how many weeks left of that budget? Ah, 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 that goes to mama. Give me that. And uh, mm-hmm. there'd be a little, you know, a little slice here or there. Uh, and it added up until, you know, and I called in every favor I had and I worked every weekend I had and we made this six and mm-hmm. a half minute short and I just could not stop. I had to do it. Mm. It was more important than making the show. I was like, I want to make something of my mm. own. And even if it doesn't sell, it will exist. And I will have said, you know, this is me and this is the type of stuff I like to make. And if I were to make a show, it'd be like this. We made it, screened it, went over well, we pitched it, Cartoon Network brought it. And there's a lot that goes into that, too. If you want to ask specifics about pitching, we can move on to that. But that is the long story short of, you know, where did it come from? All it took was one person saying, I think you should. Not you can. That all has to come from within. But if that one person is like, I think you should. Sometimes that's enough to say, like, yeah. Yeah, you're right. I really should. And then I just held on to that. uh, And I, I never stopped working on it. I yeah, which is why I also tell people, if you're going to do it, you're going to do right, it. Right, that's so true. Like, if you can be yeah. stopped, then stop. That's something that, yeah, it's something that's hard to hear, but I, I think it's really important is that it's like you you are the only person that's holding right. you back, and like you're going to hit obstacles. You're going to get rejections. You're going to get all kinds of And maybe things, you need to step like, away for for a month or two. That's fine. Yeah. That, I'm not saying you can't, you've got to kill yourself to do something. Don't do that. Right. But- You'll know when it because it will have to be done. Just for the same reason that any artist listening to this, you know why you do art. It's a compulsion. You're sick. <laughs> you are sick. <laughs> yeah. And all... when you get sick in this new way, you'll know it because you'll have the same symptoms, and it'll have to get done. And you'll just do it. That's very true. I feel like um, that's someone I remember telling my boss on Thundercats. I was like, "Wow, I'm so happy on this show." I don't even draw for myself anymore. And I was like, huh. <laughs> you know, and when you're like That's, on the show yeah. that you're like, this is like sucking all the life out of me. You're just like drawing so much for yourself just to kind of like, I don't know. That's, I, I feel like, yeah, I feel like there's a little bit of that, you know, like art, like even if art is like, I mean, art and entertainment are two different things, right? And we mm-hmm. work in entertainment and entertainment sometimes can be artistic. Um, but like it has to be entertainment first and sometimes we're not entertained by the same thing sometimes you can be on a show that's like very entertaining but maybe not that entertaining to you as a person so then you like switch to making art on the side to kind of like be like huh like I still exist I still have a voice I don't know <laughs> just uh, just some two cents then throwing yeah the, there's a there's a balance to be mm-hmm. struck and uh, just uh, again corny but like yeah follow your heart you'll you'll know what it is you have to do when you have to do it and again 
when the time comes, you won't be stopped. It's just not going to happen. You're going to create because you have to. And then as someone famously uh, said to me during a pitch, well, if you can, then you must. (laughs) And I was like, all right. It's kind of meaningless, but I'm like, no, that's true. If you can, then you must. Do you think, um, I was going to ask you questions about your writing. Like, how did you kind of work on your writing? Was this something that you ever felt like you had to work on? Or is this something that kind of came naturally to you? It came naturally. I, I hate to say that, but I'm just really good at it. And that sounds braggadocious, but I'm like, nope. I just, uh, and it is because, I would say it's because my brain is addled with the millions of things I've watched, read, mm-hmm. seen, and it's almost intuitive. And that's the stuff that you've got to work on after the fact. But most of the time I'm like, you know, I'll be with, I'm working with writers or even with myself. I'm like, no, that's not right. It has to be like this. And then my brain is like, and here are seven examples. It just like went through a Rolodex mm-hmm. of like, it works in this story, that story. Like it's a like weird, very specific, kind of crappy computer, yeah. but it works. And then it also is helpful in saying like, oh, well, because this did it that way, you know, you can stop yourself and say, well, they've done it, which is another piece of advice I've given. Like, don't let that stop you. It'll be different because right, you did 100%. it. It will automatically be different. But even in those moments, I'm like, oh, well, they did it that way. Well, then a good take on this will be doing this. Or, you know, like the Simpsons would do that all the time where it's like, we're going to do Cape Fear, but with a clown. Mm. That's one way to do it. But I would say especially if I'm writing something from my heart, all the most painful or tragic sort of outlines or, you know, things that I've written specifically for Mau Mau, you know, those outlines come from me and I sit down and I do it in one go. I sit down and I write until, you know, I, I, I lean into a feeling mm-hmm. that I'm having while I write. And a lot of time when it's those specific episodes, it's just, you know, sadness or regret. Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm, or something sure. that I've learned. And a lot of times it just comes naturally. And then if a character says a line, I'm like, I know exactly what they say because I want to say it right now in this moment. And I, I, I write mm-hmm. it down. The stuff, the places where you get hang, hung up, that's where, you know, you bring it to your other writers or you take a break or you break it down. It's just um, writing is very much like drawing. It is, it's another craft. It's another skill. Practice and you'll be mm-hmm. good at it. If you just start writing and you're like, why isn't it good? Because you just started. Mm-hmm. That's why. Why can't I lift 500 pounds? Because you've never lifted a weight <laughs> in your life. That's yeah. why. It's not complicated. Just start. Start writing. You want to get better at writing? Start writing. You want to get better at drawing? Start drawing. You want to learn how to play the piano? Sit down. It's right there. Plink a key until it makes the noise that you right. want. Uh, I don't know why people hate hearing that because it's pretty basic. I think it's just because it's hard. I I have a whole theory on that. It's because I feel like anything that is art related for so long, it had been ro- it, it has been romanticized in like in our culture. Yes, it has been yeah. romanticized as this kind of like spark of genius. Oh, you're a genius! Like you have a gift. I don't know. I don't know if it's like linked. Yeah, you either have it or you don't. Or whatever, like you're born with the special gene of gift mm-hmm. of being gifted and that you can just magically dance yeah. and it will flow out of your pencil I it's, and it's like no I, I think it's so much simpler than that i think it's that it helps them feel better about not being able to uh, do that's, it. yeah wow you're so talented i could never do that because you never practice shut up get out of my face <laughs> Of course, you could never do it. I could also never uh, put shingles on a roof. You know why? Because I've never done it before. That's why. 
So that's it. And I would say, yeah, I'm, and, and I also want to say, like, I'm not trying to make it sound as if I, you know, I'm some, uh, oh, I'm just really good at writing. You could think my writing's crap and you'd probably be right. That's fine. What I'm saying for me, though, personally, it is writing for me is mostly intuitive. And then I go back, you know, work with either a team or myself or whoever and say, like, oh, is this working? And if it works, then it's like I got real lucky. And, and it's because it was I was writing from a visceral, emotional mm-hmm. place. And there are other times, though, just to be clear, that it does not work. And then you need to go back and fix it. But it's been said a million times, and I'm just going to say it again. Here's how you write. Write and then read it. And if it's not yeah. right, write it again. Mm-hmm. The yeah, end. Write and rewrite. Yeah. That's how you – but it's the most important thing is that you sit down first and you just write it. And I don't care if it's bad. Write the bad version, and then you know what you do? If you know it's bad – that means you understand why it's bad. And if you understand why it's bad, then you know how to fix it. Right. So just fix it. Well, this character wouldn't react that way. So how would they react? Oh, nobody's bothered to ask me that. I think he would. Okay, well then write it. You know, it's, I get frustrated, but I'm like, that's it. Just start, start writing. And don't, also, last thing, don't be afraid to just embarrass yourself because that's where the good stuff lives. If you're not making yourself yeah, cringe I... just a little bit, then, you know, I mean, that's it's probably fine. Maybe you'll be an incredibly sex- successful person who will sell three shows on a primetime network. I don't know. But in my yeah. experience, the good stuff comes from confronting the stuff that makes you a little more uncomfortable. And I think it makes your character interesting because you're revealing something about them and connecting to an audience on a personal level rather than just sort of like you know uh writing a bunch of gags which is also an important skill there are some people who are like i don't understand story structure at all but i am great at writing a joke and that's that's also a wonderful skill like not everybody is going to write at the same level or write in the same way or have the same kind of style or skill set which is also why in animation and a lot of other places they're writing teams not just no, because I feel like yeah. uh, one person. So that's important. Yeah, to know writing too. for a TV generally is just like uh, it's a very specific way of writing, right? Like not not only are you writing a story with like a specific kind of structure, it also has to fit in a specific amount of minutes. I mean, this is kind of changing with streaming, but a lot of mm-hmm. the uh, draftsmanship or like craftsmanship of writing is like there, there's you have like a lot of um, constraints, I guess, to kind of like right within and i was i mean i guess i was going to ask you a question like on uh, like how much tv slash movies have like kind of what was your habit uh watching tv and movies kind of like i'm thinking about for example oda like the uh, oda-san who's uh writing one piece he's basically watching mm-hmm. movies all the time all the time all the time like when you read interviews of him he's constantly mm-hmm. watching something um he's got that that intake uh, uh well i hesitate to to philosophize about it because i don't know that i i have a super strong opinion because i would say if you ask me what cartoons are you watching currently the answer mm-hmm. is none i don't watch any and i won't i will not watch watch my cartoon yeah. never i will never watch your cartoon <laughs> ever for as long as you live i'm not watching it because I don't know. There's something about just keep there. There are times where I'm like, I want to keep my instrument clean. I don't want to be looking at what you're doing. I don't want to feel jealous. I don't, I don't, I also don't want to feel like, well, I'm doing that better. Then I've got this weird confidence thing going. I just want to sort of intake whatever it is I feel is important to intake and ignore the rest 
and everybody is real different. There are some people who never watch the stuff that they make. There are some people who religiously watch the stuff they make. There's some people who only yeah. ever watch other people's art or only one artist's work. There's no right or wrong way to do it. I would say for myself, yeah, you know, most of the stuff I watch in my spare time is just trash reality TV show. I'm not really trying to I'm not <laughs> really trying to take yeah. in good artwork. Like I'm good because works. because the art that comes from me, you know, whatever fountain I've built of inspiration, I'm I feel like I'm just desperately trying to keep intact because every artist is kind of a snapshot of their their time and their influences and that isn't to say that it like oh i hesitate to, to grow or change i just mean like i like where i'm at i like where my stuff is coming from and uh it's at a, a nice delicate balance so yeah i don't know it's kind of a, a weird non-answer mm -hmm. but everybody do you i don't think there's any wrong or right like you don't have to be like oh well he doesn't watch anything so i should no 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 no, no, mm -hmm. no you you do what you gotta do like i think that's the way to go Personally, I, I don't really, I couldn't say that I have like beyond just like, I'm not going to watch other stuff people do. That's really just more for my own mental health. Mm. Like I, <laughs> I'm incredibly competitive. So I get to watch someone else's show and they're like, here's all my millions of dollars that I got to use to do this. I'm mm -hmm. like, I'll kill you. I hate you. And I want you dead. Yeah. That's not good for me to feel that way. <laughs> so, so I don't, so I don't want to feel that way. So I just don't. So congrats on your show. I'm not watching it. Mm -hmm. Good job. Yeah. I will never see it. Don't take it personally. Let's get lunch. Would love to know yet. Not watching your cartoon. Mm -hmm. Won't happen. It's just hard, too. There's <laughs> so much. And, like, all my friends work on talented. You know, they're all talented, and they work on amazing stuff. And I'm just like, I, I, I don't have that many hours in the day. There's <laughs> like, that, too. I can't make... Yeah, I can't make everybody happy. Yeah, I'm just I'm being painfully honest about it, and you could think I'm a jerk for it, and that's fine. But I'm like, I it's for my own health. I don't like feeling that way. Right. I don't like feeling well, also, frustrated and angry. You're a family, yeah. Right? yeah. Well, there's that too. Yeah, uh, you, you gotta. They they watch stuff. It's not like I couldn't watch sure, stuff sure. with them, but uh, yeah, uh, it's for my own sanity and and well being that I just uh, yeah, it's just a lot of trash TV. <laughs> I get you. <laughs> I I watch This Is Us a lot and uh, and a lot of other garbage. Mm. But uh, uh, you were talking about writing and stuff, and I think it's a good time to bring up the the creative block question. And like, mm. when you do get stuck, what does that feel like, and how do you break out of it? Well, I think there are many tools, and again, that's why every single one of these, I'm like, it's all different for everybody. So I just want people listening, uh, and I know some people just they they take any sort of professional's word as gospel. Well, that's the way to do it. So I'm like, no, 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 no. Just right. take everything I say here with a grain of salt. But I would say, if I personally get creatively uh, blocked, normally it's it's a bit of a rare occurrence for me. But if it happens to me, it's because I am wildly depressed. That is the only time that I think I'm short on any kind of idea because most of the time I'm a fountain of it and I can't wait. And, and uh, for me... My creativity is directly tied to my ego and my confidence, which is, again, why I don't watch other people's stuff. I'm like, no, that will destroy me. I'll watch it, and then I'll think, that's so good, I could never create that. Or that's so good, they had this much money, and I can't do it. All this sort of stuff. So I, that's one. Uh, I think this is decent advice. Avoid stuff that makes you feel that way. <laughs> if your creativity is tied to your it's ego yeah. and your confidence. Nobody said that. Though it's, it might just be me, but if you're creating, no, I think it's interesting. Everybody's creativity is sort of tied to to something, and for me, I have found that it is directly tied to my confidence. Like uh, Deep Cut, um, 
Gladiator from the Marvel Universe. You guys know Gladiator, the purple alien with a mohawk? He is sure his, don't. His, uh, his strength is directly proportionate to his own confidence in his ability. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's funny. So he's one of the strongest characters, but if you tell him you're not that strong, he'd be like, oh, no, that's so good. and he would just crumple. <laughs> Uh, so but funny. the catch is he would have to believe you. So it's kind of it's a weird power, but it's very. But I am very much the That's same great. way. If I believe that I am excellent, I will make excellent work. But if I don't believe that, then I just crumple. And yeah, I, yeah. The, the the real issue there is oh well, how do you break out of that? How does anybody break out of severe depression? I don't know. Everybody has different tools for that. But I would say just as sort of a, this is kind of blithe. But I'll say it anyway. It is important to have outlets other than your um, creative yeah. ones. Because at the Absolutely, end of the day, yeah. even if it's your profession, it is a form of an outlet. And for me, it is any of the million other hobbies I have. So playing a video game, playing the piano, doing some gumpla, you know, spending mm-hmm. time with my family, whatever it is, finding those ideally healthy ways to combat uh whatever it is that's uh got you in that place and i think it's for me it's also odd because being like being productive builds my confidence but if i don't have confidence i can't be productive so there's there are times where it's like oh it's a a vicious sort of catch 22 yeah it's like what uh, what do i do but that's why i think it's important to sometimes just take a step away and do some other thing. Maybe it still is a creative thing. I don't know. Maybe if you're like, oh, I'm really blocked on this this show, maybe make another show. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like, Yeah, yeah. Well, you got to have other things. Yeah, it, it helps to juggle ideas. I think a lot of people get locked in on like one story, one OC, one something, and it's like, you got to have more in you. Like you got to if like you got to be able to come up with different things. If it's if you're a hobbyist and you're just drawing and for fun, obviously great. But like if you're a professional or hoping to be a professional, you got to have ideas. Like you got to keep milking it. You got to keep trying things, mm-hmm. developing things, also like abandoning things if you if if you've outgrown them. And yeah, the the blocks can happen from just stagnation, I think. Mhm. Yeah, I not. think uh, whatever it is that you do, uh, you know, no no one is an island. So uh, it's also important to talk to people about it and just yeah. recharge your battery in, in any uh, way, shape, or form that comes. Mm-hmm. As far as, you know, shaking stuff up, if you're like, if your, you know, creative block is coming purely from, I can't come up with ideas. Where do I get ideas? I would say for me... I am only interested in talking about myself through art. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am not interested in talking about you. I don't care about you. I don't know you. <laughs> this is me. And uh, if you're anything like me in that respect, then the answer is introspection. Mm-hmm. Think about the things that are that you're exploring, the things that you're unsure of, the things that are that take you to that place of frustration, lean into that and create from that place. Because again, we've talked about art as being sort of therapeutic and storytelling, but it it really is. But more than that, it is a way to, it's a very easy way to start having a conversation and a story is a conversation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's another 
place you can explore if you're like, ah, what do I do with these characters? Or, you know, if, if for example, you, you don't know how the scene is supposed to play out, ah, God, maybe just, you know, pull out a note, a notepad or just record yourself, start talking to yourself as these characters, have someone else role play a character. I don't know. There's a million things you can do, but I think the most important thing is if you're feeling stuck, try anything. But don't stop. Don't give mm-hmm, up. Mm-hmm, <laughs> because yeah, mm-hmm. that's great advice. But try straight uh, up anything, with the exception of alcohol. I really don't recommend that you become an alcoholic. <laughs> yeah, there are please, so please many creative people who are like booze, and I'm like that'll ruin yeah. your life. And I'm not speaking yeah, from please, a place of don't. experience. I just there are a lot of you know, there are just a lot of writers specifically who are straight up alcoholics, and it ends poorly. And it's like find another way. Yeah, yeah, they're. Yeah. That one won't end well. Don't do that. Well, maybe a little bit of a drink will help me. It will temporarily, and then historically, it will solution. end very bad for you. I encourage you to Google yeah. straight up any alcoholic writer and just enjoy the yeah. end of the Wikipedia article, which invariably is the same yeah. every time. It's not good. Yeah. <laughs> it's not good. Don't do it. We got a, we got a ton of good questions from Twitter, cool. and I would love to ask them. We got uh, a few people... Uh, like at squash and then a bunch of numbers uh, and at spooky. They uh, basically asked like, what advice did you give to people who are pitching uh, their own show or want to create their own show someday? Okay. Uh, I've got, you know, we could easily spend an entire podcast on that, but here's what I'll, Oh sure. Here's what I'll say. And I'm just gonna, I'm going to avoid the creative advice and I'm just going to give you business yeah. advice here. This is how this is yeah, how that's you can good. actually get it done because the rest of that is, frankly, it's BS. Like, it doesn't matter. Number one, know your audience. And that is, mm-hmm. in this case, who you are selling to. If you go to, say, Cartoon Network and you want to pitch a show about an adult man who murders people, maybe don't do that because Cartoon Network doesn't want that. And then don't go online and tweet about how animation is stagnating no you tried to sell a crazy violent adult drama to a kids network although yeah. ironically they also have adult swim but pitch it to adult swim they're a separate entity so yeah, that's yeah it's a different one. thing know who you're pitching to it goes a little deeper than that it's important that you understand the type of work they're looking for more than the type of work you're actually making and there are a lot of artists who get really frustrated because they're like well no one is looking for the type of art that i'm making and my advice to you is uh good luck Shit, I don't know either. You know, there's a lot of different crazy kind of stuff I'd like to make too. But, you know, if there's no audience for it, uh, it's tough to be a trailblazer. And there are trailblazers out there. And I think Netflix and even HBO Max are picking up really incredibly unique projects from super specific and interesting new sources. I don't know how that happened. Those people were incredibly brave. So maybe maybe Mm -hmm. do pitch your crazy... (laughs) murder drama to cards network but all of which is to say it, it is important that you know where you're going with this thing and so i i don't think your art should be entirely informed by i'm gonna sell this and it is a piece of commercial property but you need to understand that this is a business and so know, know who you're selling to if you're selling a show to nickelodeon maybe you should watch nickelodeon see what it is they're buying and that goes yeah. for just about any other place. So that's the first most important advice I can give you. Second piece of advice, it is not what you know, it is who you know. And that's a stupid axiom, mm-hmm. but it's true. 
knowing somebody mm-hmm. who works at a place is a good in. Maybe they know the right executive you could pitch to. Maybe you know somebody super important and they can take you five steps above who it is you would have been pitching to before. And so you're already getting yep. further along in the process. So making connections with people who know what time it is, know what kind of pitches they're taking, that really helps. You know, you might have your friend Gibbo talks to you and is like, hey man. Gibbo. Gibbo's like, dude, they're taking pictures about, about scooter heroes. You got a scooter hero and you're like, hell yeah, I do. And then Gibbo just hooked you up because you're friends. That's who you know is a big part of it. Which kind of leads into uh, uh, something else I'll say, which is, uh, you know, don't beat yourself up too much because... There's a lot of luck involved. There's a whole so lot luck. Yeah. of luck involved. And that comes down to right place, right time. Maybe you have exactly the type of show they're looking for, but they just greenlit another one that's kind of similar. Or they just ended up restructuring their entire company and now they're only doing baby shows where you learn to count. Like, you know, there's a lot of luck involved as well and you can't really control that, which is why, you know, I'm saying not to beat yourself up. That, that's less of something you can control, but it's just a piece of, you know, your mental health advice there. Like, it's going to be okay. Not everything is going to work out, and not all of your time is wasted. Um, here's some more, some, some other uh, super practical advice for pitching a project. The actual pitch itself. Um, know what it is that your show is about. Be able to answer literally every single question. And I mean every single question. Because the more prepared you are, the more impressed they are. And they're going to have questions, and some of them are straight yeah. up just going to try to catch you. That's their favorite thing. Mm-hmm. They get off on it. So be ready to be ready to catch them back and be like, it's because, you know, flip it, flip, flap. And they'll be like, oh, brilliant. That's good. <laughs> he knew. Uh, but again, uh, off of that, know what your show is about. So, for example, um, uh, Chris P. loves this story because I made some people very, very nervous when I did this. You know, several times pitching Mau Mau, they were saying, you know, you know, you know, what is the show really about? And I know what it's about, but they're like, because it can't just be, you know, the cat samurai show or a cat with a sword. Please don't say that. And I'm like, okay. And I, I never did, but they kept saying, please don't call it the cat with a sword show. So we're in a meeting at the final pitch with all the big executives. And of course they asked the dreaded, what is the show is about? You know, what is the show actually about? And I go, well, look dead in the eye at the person who told me not to say it. I could tell you that it's a show about a cat with a sword and his he looked like <laughs> he looked like he was going to puke because I did the thing. I said, but really it's a show about identity. And then ah, I said blip blip blap and I gave them everything they wanted to hear and he's like Slam Well bump. I go, but I don't know if anybody wants to hear that. And he's like, No, that's what we want to hear. Very good. And I'm like, Really? I knew it's what you wanted to hear. <laughs> yeah he's messing with you it's a it, yeah it's a game of chess which to some uh degree. it's yeah i'm just gonna keep going as fast as i can which brings me to my next point give him a little razzle dazzle if you can i will say though that's not for everybody i know plenty of people who have about the uh charisma of say a snail this guy here mm-hmm. and they're not good in a room and i'm like why do you want to tell stories if you don't have this charisma but they're good at getting it out through the page and it may yeah. be a little tougher for them, but I have, you know, I, I know uh, straight up people who have sold a show by going in a room and they didn't do much more than sing a song. They brought out a guitar, they sang a song that made the executives cry, Aww. and they left. If that's you, congratulations, but it's not me. So I got to do a lot of shucking and jiving and making sure that like I'm bobbing and weaving through the questions and I'm giving you the razzle dazzle. When you say like razzle dazzle and all these like uh funny words like do you mean like are you trying to do you mean like you come up with like i don't know 
like impressive one-liners or is it like just the your delivery be, your, be funny okay. be funny and okay. entertaining that's that's like that may be something people don't want to hear either which i'm very mm -hmm. sorry but it's a real good way to get your point mm -hmm. across if you're if you're giving people a lot of information and it seems like you're just reading off a cue card mm -hmm. snooze going to sleep i don't care who these executives are they already don't want to be there even though it's their job and, and if you're yeah. just reading off this teleprompter black be personal come up with an anecdote make sure you're relating to them and that they're feeding off of that and that it's tied directly to right. your pitch okay. so if you're telling a personal story that connects to the show that you're selling and it builds off of the themes and you've got some nice anecdotes a few jokes here or there and you're keeping the room kind of alive right. That goes a long way in, it, in the pitch being memorable and also for the people you're selling the show to to have confidence in you as a storyteller. They're like, well, look at how handily they handled the book. Look at how easily they were able to go back and forth, answer our questions. That person's not going to be short of ideas. Right, I see. That person's going to run a team. Uh, again, not everybody is like that, but in my experience, it goes a long way being being an entertaining person. Uh, but, but be prepared and go off book and d don't be boring. If you're boring, they're not going to want your show uh, because odds are the show's boring too, but that may not always uh, be the case. It's just in my experience, you could see the light leaving an executive's eyes during a pitch. And it always happens when somebody is just kind of uh, boring, for lack of a better word. They're like, and this character comes from the land of Gwibble Flap, and then they are really a mean one. Yeah, this one you're is just delivering it. It's like, okay, yes, you put together the Legos, and this is a wonderful yeah. piece that you mm -hmm. built. <laughs> uh, so uh, be entertaining, be well rehearsed, know your stuff, uh, and that goes a long way too. And of course, answer, be able to answer that hard question again. What is your show, project, short, movie, whatever it is? What is it really about? And be prepared to speak on that and be passionate because ultimately that's what anybody is going to connect to. And it speaks so much stronger than all the gags and all the other stuff in the world. Being able to say, my show is about truth and then expounding on that like a right. you know, fire and brimstone preacher it's going to get you a long long way it really will because that it shows that you're passionate you're involved and you've got to tell this story and if you've got to tell it then they've got right. to tell it they want to be a part of that ride that is so cool i love that that is like yeah. really great that is like the best like advice like and condensed in a really fun way you just pitched <laughs> the answer to this question in the way you would pitch a yeah. show <laughs> pretty much gave us the razzle dazzle it goes a it go it, yeah it goes a long way being charismatic and if you're not naturally charismatic just practice you'll get you'll be fine just practice yeah it's a skill it's okay it's, it's like anything yeah i think also like you know a lot of a lot of artists are introverts yes. a lot of us are are shy yep. and that's not an excuse like you mm -hmm. you can't fall back on that if you really do believe in your ideas and mm -hmm. and you want to tell them you're gonna you gotta find that confidence and you gotta fake it till you make it and yeah. like the more you put on that persona, the more you'll start to believe it yourself. Like I, I went through that, like, you know, and, and so it's just something you got to practice. You got to mm. pitch to friends. You got to And there's see, no one right yeah. way to do it either. That's the other thing I no. keep trying to say, but like you will, like I said, my friend came in with a guitar, sang a sad song, left show bought. That's it. Sometimes that's, that's crazy. You know, at, mm. what, I think something I said to someone and this, uh, I was just, uh, you know, talking to someone who was very scared of pitching their thing and they really wanted to know everything that I ever did. And I gave them all of it and I could see that they were looking kind of intimidated and I felt bad. And I was like, hey, listen, 
you don't have to be me. That's not going right. to do it. You need to be yourself. And I said, look, do you think I'm anything like Rebecca Sugar remotely? And they're like, no. And I go, and she sold a very, very successful and incredibly iconic show. You see where I'm going with this? She's like, yeah. I'm like, yeah. Everybody does it different. There's no real yeah. one right way to do all this. Everything I'm no. saying is very general, but for the most part, what I'm, you know, I'm trying to be as basic as possible and give you sort of uh, best practices, but I don't want anyone to hear this and be scared and be like, well, then I can't do it. It's like, you will find a way. Because like I said before, if you have to do this, you will do it. You will do it. So if you hear all this and you're scared, don't be scared. It'll be okay. Maybe you'll hear another guest in a week or two that'll tell you something that's a much better answer for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Everyone has a different thing. And I think it fits people. Hopefully people know what works for them already and what they're kind of missing in yeah. like you're the way that you're describing this is relevant to me. And like, I relate to a lot of that. Cause that's, it's the same thing. All I have is the information in my head and my, I guess, charisma. And mm -hmm. I don't know how to razzle dazzle other than that, you know, just, mm -hmm. just being, being present in the room and yeah. having answers to questions. Use, use everything you've got. If you've got that, if you've got some trick no one else has got, use it. Don't be scared. Now's not the time. That's very <laughs> good point. Use it yeah, now. Yeah, I, I think every skill you have, and I, I would even apply that to not even just pitching, but just your art career in general. Like, mm -hmm. use every skill you got. If you learn, a, if you have a musical instrument you learned growing up, like, try to work that in as much as you can. Mm -hmm. You know, like, there's, there's all those things give you an edge. It's a competitive field. Uh, and it's more competitive than it's ever been. So if you've got a way to stand out, by all means, stand out. And boy, are there some people who are really good at that, though. Oh, my God. <laughs> Two or three artists out there just make me feel bad no matter what. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> like, stop it. Uh, you can calm down for a bit. You're good. The rest of you, <laughs> show me what you got. But a couple of you, stop. <laughs> from uh, We have another question from at Thought Carry. Uh, how do you find so much determination to do the things you do? I love art and animation, but can never find the motivation to draw myself. Anything you could recommend? Yeah, I feel like we talked about this earlier uh, when I, mm. I said, you know, for me, my my drive is directly tied to my confidence. So build your confidence. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, everybody works differently. I've said that a million times, but I'm just going to say it again. Uh, and this, gosh, it's not, I don't want to say this because it sounds mean, but I'm like, if you can be stopped, maybe you need to stop because I think it's really important to hear. because uh, unfortunately, like the people who really do this, they don't stop and they're not going to stop. No. And uh, it's almost like that scene from the Incredibles where like the mom is like, these men want to kill you. It's kind of like that with yeah. art. It's like, yeah, they people don't really want you to succeed. So if you're going to no. succeed, don't they just stop. Don't care. No, they don't. That's the truth of it. Truly. They just, yeah. they don't care. So you have to care more than anybody. But I would say, you know, listen to what I said previously and remember that if you really need to do it, you know, you won't be stopped. And beyond that, try to get in touch with what it is that truly inspires you and stay in touch with it. But yeah, it, it, I feel like I've expounded on a lot of sort of stuff like that before. So I hope that's been helpful. And if not, just tweet at me again. I'll answer I feel your like, question. Uh, I'll, I'll try. I think, it's a, I think it's important to hear. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's something that I like brought up, I think, in... Um jared morgan's episode i i quoted bukowski and he was like <laughs> but bukowski said that he was like don't try he was like don't don't even try because it's like and it's kind of like 
well you've tried your whole life like as a person he was always he he always wrote and and mm-hmm. he didn't find success for a very long mm-hmm. time and it's like he just never stopped he wasn't even trying he w- he just never stopped doing it because he couldn't stop it's compo- it's yeah. compulsion so it's yeah kinda, yeah there yeah you got it. yeah it, it, it's it's something that you either feel or you don't from at flippy super how do you balance work and free time while directing a cartoon? I hear it's a very busy job, but lately you seem to be able to do drawing and animation streams. How do you do it? A lot easier when you don't have a three-hour commute. Yeah. And end of Man, answer. hell yeah. I You will drag God. me kicking and screaming back to an office. No, thank mm-hmm. you. Not going to happen. It's it's uh, definitely made things easier in some ways. Uh, I would also say that uh, uh, when you're running a show, the worst busiest time is the triple overlap and that is when you are approving writing boards and animation and everything else like it's basically when everything in the schedule is happening at once yeah, yeah. i'm not in that uh but that is the worst time and i feel like when we were done with season one mike maloney and i looked at each other we were doing like a lock on the last episode and i was like every day we turn to each other those last few weeks and say how did we do this how did we how did we do this during those middle episodes and he's like i don't know i don't remember and i just was like i want i want you to know that i cherish you and i'm sorry if you know we were ever snippy with each other we had we had some rough we had there like some great times but there was one or two episodes out of 40 which is not bad that were just nearly broke us because it was happening while everything else was happening but let me tell you if i was doing that while working from home nope i'd have been fine because 90% of it was, and now I need to get in my car and drive for an hour and a half to get home. And I'm so tired, and I'm not eating well, and I'm not exercising, and I'm not taking care of myself. Oh, this last yeah, year, this last year, I lost 80 pounds taking care of myself. Wow, amazing. I feel great. Congrats. I'm hot as hell. Damn. Way hotter than I've ever <laughs> yeah, been you at are. any point in my life. So it's wonderful. Yeah, I think that uh, the work from home stuff has been very helpful <laughs> to like yeah. just be able to... Easy answer. To focus on things yeah from at devon1224 what has been your favorite job outside of mau mau you animate pretty fast any tips on how to be so efficient that's Two a twofer you yeah that's cheater. a twofer that's fine uh, I'll, I'll answer them both my favorite job outside of mau mau uh, i think someone asked this at like that uh, comic-con panel i did a couple years ago and i, I was like i know a few people who'll be really mad if if I answer and it's not them, but those two exact people came up to me after the panel and were like, "Why didn't you say my thing?" Uh-huh. And then I told them, and they're like, "You could have said both." So here's what I'm going to say: My favorite jobs outside of Mama were working on OKKO OK with uh, Ian and Toby, and mm-hmm. also animating on Motor City with Chris P. Those have been my favorite jobs mm-hmm. in animation, and for the same reason both times, it was because the people running those shows cared about what I had to mm-hmm. say. They cared about my time and my talent and they not only respected it, but gave me opportunities. Mm-hmm. And that is mm-hmm. important for your artists. And I would say if you're leading a show, it's not always possible to give everyone every opportunity that they want, but it's important that you you try and that you listen and uh, try to, you know, feed them the stuff that they really want to work on. And for KO, you know, Ian and Toby were really happy with the voices I was doing on my boards. They gave me the opportunity to do voices on the show, come up with a story uh, idea here or there. I think I came up with, you know, I wanted, really wanted to do a Sentai episode. Mm-hmm. And um, they made that happen with uh, uh, Back in Red Action. And uh, so it was really uh, fun. It was also kind of weird, uh, a weird show to work on because it was artists, you know, I was at Titmouse for years and it was I was working with artists that I 
who are in a completely different circle. They had their own kind of jargon and their own, like they were very clearly all friends with each other well before this. So I was definitely like a little bit outside looking in, but it was still incredibly interesting to be that far along in my career and be, be like, oh, I've really got a lot more to learn uh, from people who are, you know, uh, who've come up through a completely different system. And that it was fascinating and challenging, but also fun. And so I, uh, that was great. And then with Motor City, I, I think I already talked about it pretty much. It's just, we felt like we owned it. And uh, I got to really, really grow and compete with artists who I loved spending just about every waking minute with. There was a lot of laughter on that show, just never ending mm. to the point where they had to separate <laughs> some of us because <laughs> we just had a lot of fun making this show about cars. Uh, so th- those would be the two that I list. Mau Mau's yeah. more fun than both of those combined, though. <laughs> and, th- and then, uh, yeah, well, of course. Because it's and, mine. Uh, <laughs> it's yours. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, how do you uh, animate? Oh, uh, good workflow. And and I, the, the short answer is, you know, I've got a couple streams that uh, people are, are more than free to check out. I think I uploaded, yeah, I uploaded one of them out. on YouTube. I'm Sheriff Mao on Twitter. Not, mm-hmm. uh, not on Twitter, on Twitch. Sorry, same first few letters. Uh, and then mm-hmm. on YouTube, you could just find me under Parker Simmons Animation. You could see some of that stuff. I would say that, um, you know, be lazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I, it's also, you know, I've been doing this for a long time. I've been doing this since 2009. So I know all the secrets. I know all the tricks. I know all the little ways to get around doing something I don't want to waste my time doing. And it comes down to, most of the time, good uh, setup planning victory as batman says is in the preparation you know Mm -hmm. how they're like who would win in a fight batman with planning so be like batman and plan that's my Mm -hmm. answer for you it really is about you know labeling meticulously breaking stuff up and figuring out what you're going to do before you do it so that's why when you watch me doing this stuff you're like how's it going so fast i'm like because i laid out a roadmap and i'm on autopilot my hands are just doing what they do from muscle memory alone because i sat down and i did sort of the math of it right. first uh but yeah, but that's kind of a sure. the tricksy answer but also practice yeah mm-hmm. yeah practice is the obvious one but I, I do think i think there's sort of a sometimes a stigma with people thinking that like reuse is bad no. or shortcuts are bad and it's like th- that's a quick way to burn yourself well, out listen, and never listen finish to the, anything listen to the story i told you about my friend who was not the director on that project yeah i was gonna say yeah and it was because he refused to compromise and i did compromise and that's why i'm here so you're gonna have yeah. to learn your limitations and you're gonna have to respect them and unlike adora bat who in no shortcuts decided that she could do whatever she wanted immediately take the time there are no shortcuts to becoming a hero or an animator. Although, yeah. when you get better, you'll learn the shortcuts in actually animating. But that's it. Uh, it, it it's 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 experience. Like you'll you'll figure it out and uh, work smarter, not harder. Mm-hmm. You know, automate what yeah. you can. We got a question from at Chippenhoff BC. Man, these names. <laughs> Tips on how to board dynamic action scenes. Uh, here's what you're gonna do. You are going to go, and I'm going to look it up right now. So if you hear clicking, don't be alarmed. I'm going to look up his uh, Twitter I'm right alarmed. now. But you are going to buy Michael Maloney's storyboarding guide because it is just about the best thing out there. God, where is it? Is it pinned? Tell me it's pinned. Yes! Okay. 
So you're going to go to twitter.com slash Mike J Moloney, M-O-L-O-N-E-Y. And pinned up top is his TV board survival manual uh, that is available on Gumroad. It is 10 bucks. It is worth it, it's worth well, well, well more than that. He is the supervising director mm-hmm. on Mau Mau. He's sat next to me in Animation Alley at Titmouse for a very long time. So he's done it all, and he knows the smartest, fastest ways to do it. And weirdly, like most, I'm sitting here saying, like, ah, oh, there, there are tricks, but sometimes there aren't tricks. Now, nah, straight up, his manual is just a bunch of tricks. Like it'll make you ten times better than you are at at being a board artist of any kind because. It's just this sort of basic stuff. And beyond that, so buy that $10. Um, if you are serious, you will spend that money. And if you've already bought it, then read it. What are you asking this question for? Uh, but here's here's another really short answer. Drop your horizon line. <laughs> there. That's, that's a answer. really good point. Yeah. That's a great, that's yeah, a great yeah, thing. Yeah. Everybody. And rule number two, to drop a... your horizon <laughs> line. Just drop it. Yeah, that's it. Low angle. Yeah, yeah low angle. <laughs> Cinematic. Hey, that's really. That's really. Uh, that's really <laughs> all it takes. Huh? Yeah. That's really Black all bar we for need. the ground plane. Put your character's feet mm-hmm. underneath it. Put the camera in the ground. Now you don't mm-hmm. need to register their feet, and it looks like a cool angle. Two for one. Great. Makes them look yeah. heroic. Yeah, it's a. It's mm-hmm. an easy. It's an easy way to get uh, that kind get, of dynamic stuff. Get Mike Maloney's uh, storyboard survival guide. Um, it is wonderful, and it's so good that the uh, one of the shows at Titmouse actually licensed it from him to hand out to oh, their crew. Cool. Oh, that's so amazing. Everybody who works on that show now gets his. That is uh, so amazing. Uh, guiding, so that is so cool. It was a nice deal. Yeah, V. Were there any questions you wanted to ask? Um, I was just gonna ask, and this one can be a short answer if you can make it a short answer. But from at Mao Mother, what's the biggest challenge for you as a showrunner slash animator? The biggest challenge. I think it's there's sort of two answers, so I'll answer I'll answer both of them. First, I'm going to answer uh, what is the biggest challenge, like um, being a showrunner or creator. The actual challenge, uh, the first part, comes from really the business side of it, and there's so much that's out of your control, and it's something that I've seen a lot of creators sort of lamenting lately, and you know. We'll do like a big Twitter thread and then delete it because it's like, oh, I still want to work, but I need to be quiet because this stuff is frustrating, but also I need to play ball. Like that's going to be a big part of it. If you end up selling a show, a project, whatever, you need to know how the game is played. And unfortunately, it's a frustrating game with a lot of stuff that is well outside of your control. So I would say the biggest challenge is being patient Mm -hmm. and trying to navigate the waters of truly something that is much larger Mm -hmm. than you much much larger so much bigger and uh trying to stay just stay patient beyond that i think i've already kind of talked about it but really just literally the biggest creative challenge is straight up just that triple overlap right like everything else is cake like oh this i really want to come up with it no i got plenty of good thematic wonderful stories i could tell because they're come from the heart that's it's not so hard to access my feelings i've been there What's hard is breaking your back day in and day out when there's not enough time to try and make something that you want to be the best thing ever and having to accept that maybe it can't be because you don't have the money, you don't have the time. And even when, for example, the last episode of season one, I had a lot more time because, you know, we weren't picked up at that point. 
And so we were just wrapping up production. And so I did 50 retakes on one episode and never would have had time for that otherwise. But that's, that lets you know my personal commitment to the quality of this show and lets you know how hurt I was when I didn't have the time to do stuff like that on episodes during the triple overlap where there just literally is no time. So that is the really just the basic schedule budget. Like that's really the biggest sort of challenge. How can I make this beautiful? How can I make this perfect? How can I make this worthy of not just myself, but the people who are working on it? How can I make them make this worthy of them and their time and their career with what I have? That is the biggest challenge. And it's something that probably never goes away. I don't know anybody that's got like all the money and time that they want to make a show, especially not an animation. And I think they'd all pretty much feel the same way. So those two biggest challenges from being a creator showrunner. Yeah. Well, I think we're nearing the end here. Is there anything else you wanted to mention or anything you want to plug, plug your stream? Uh, you know what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got I have nothing specific to to announce or say yet, but uh it is important sure. that if you like my stuff and you like me that you follow me. And that if I stream that you watch that stream and if I tell you to go somewhere that you mm-hmm. go there. Uh and I say that not as a demagogue because I'm I'm not one. I try very clearly to tell people like I have opinions, they don't matter. They're just mine. Like if you disagree, that's probably for the best. Like <laughs> it's okay. I'm you know, uh, we're all different. Uh but I would say the reason I I say it's important to follow and keep up with and support any of your favorite artists independent of the thing that they make that you like is it helps give them leverage when they want to make new stuff. So not just for me, but for anyone that you like, uh, you know, hang around, follow us, support us, be there when we want to start these new endeavors because, you know, I've said it before, if a tree falls in the woods and nobody hears it, what happened? If an artist makes art and nobody sees it, did they make art? Who can say? So I need you to look at the stuff that I make. I need you to be there. I need you to spend money. (laughs) I need you to tell people about it like it's your religion. Like that's the stuff that goes far in helping any artist continue to make the stuff that they want to make on the scale they want to make it because then they have, they're able to, you know, take it to company X, Y, and Z and say, look, here's my built-in audience. You green like this, they're coming with me. So yeah, nothing necessarily to plug other than just like support me. (laughs) When the time comes... Be there. When I blow the conch, be, <laughs> yeah, you, need, right. you need to come over that hill with spears in hand. Be ready. Watch the YouTube. Watch the stream. Definitely. I think uh, people underestimate how much power fans have and just like studios do pay attention to that stuff. And it's important. It's important to have to try to build an audience before you're going into pitching your own stuff, like you said. Yeah, uh, for sure. Well, I think that's the end of this creative block. Thanks to Parker for being our guest and sharing his story. And thanks to your listeners. Follow us on Twitter. It's at creative block, creative without the vowels, where we ask for drawing prompts and questions to ask your guests. Huge thanks to my sister Clemens for editing the podcast. Please subscribe to the channel if you love our content. I've been your host, Gene. And I was V. Keep being creative and we'll see you next week. Thank you. Bye. Bye.